Hello, I'm Nick White. I'm the Knowledge Lawyer for the Pensions team here at Trevor Smith. Welcome to our podcast summary of the latest issue of What's Happening in Pensions, or WIP. This is our regular update on pensions legal developments. This time I'm joined by pensions partner Andy Lewis to give you a brief outline of some key developments in July and August 2023. There's much more detail in the briefing itself. You can find it on our website if you're not already there. Just Google Travis Smith Pensions. The annual Mansion House speech by the Chancellor of the Exchequer took place on the 10th of July. This year, Jeremy Hunt shone a spotlight on pension schemes and a raft of Mansion House reforms, calls for evidence, consultations and responses were published the following day. There are measures here designed to improve outcomes for scheme members, but the key theme was how pension schemes and providers can be enlisted to help with UK economic growth via long-term investment in so-called productive asset classes such as private equity and infrastructure. In WIP, we report on eight calls for evidence, consultations and consultation responses. There's a lot to cover here, even briefly. So Andy, let's take these in turn. Thanks, Nick. First up, we have a new call for evidence on options for DB schemes, which asks how they can be encouraged to invest more adventurously than usually for good reasons they currently do. There are some very interesting topics explored here, including, first, whether the risk or actuality of generating a trapped surplus encourages low-risk investment, and how various rules might, if they were changed, encourage more productive investment. And second, whether the government might set up a public consolidator scheme to take on board schemes that are not able to buy out. This could perhaps be run by the PPF. And also on the theme of DB consolidation, we have at long last had the government's response to its 2018 consultation on a full regulatory regime for consolidators. They still plan to replace the current interim regime set out in TPR guidance for DB consolidator schemes and for schemes considering transferring to them. The replacement legislative regime will, like the TPR guidance, have gateway criteria for schemes to access a consolidator scheme. This announcement was soon followed by an update of the TPR guidance, which will apply in the interim. Turning to DC, there was an update on the government's plans for a new VFM, or value for money, framework for nearly all schemes. This will supersede the current regime that applies just to small schemes, but not for a few years, it seems. Schemes will be required to assess VFM across various issues, not just costs and charges. They will also need to publish their metrics and then later publish a comparison with other schemes that could be used as an alternative to them, for example, master trusts. They will need to tell the employer if the scheme is assessed as not offering value for money. And the pensions regulator will be given new enforcement powers to use where poor value schemes don't take action themselves. It's still on DC, but turning to decumulation, Schemes may at some point in the future be under a duty to offer decumulation options that meet the, the needs of a generality of their members. Collective DC, which I'll talk about more in a minute, will be one of the options. Members will be able to take up the scheme's default service, which will hopefully work for them, or if not, they can exercise their pension freedoms and transfer to a scheme that offers what they're looking for. Master Trust will be subject to this requirement first before it's rolled out to other DC schemes. Small pots next. The pensions industry has been looking for a solution to the ever increasing proliferation of small deferred DC pension pots for many years now. 
an industry group has been helping the government decide the best way forward. And that way forward will be the multiple default consolidator model. Under this model, when an individual stops contributing, leaving a small deferred DC pot, the pot will automatically be transferred to one of their other pension providers or to another provider altogether, unless the member opts out. A pot will be considered small if its value is less than £1,000 and deferred if it has been 12 months since the last contribution. A new delivery group is being formed to take this forward. Now, I mentioned Collective DC earlier. Here, there's confirmation that the government will be proceeding with proposals to allow collective money purchase schemes, as they're formally known, to be operated for unconnected employers, either as a whole life scheme or later offering only decumulation options. For DB and DC schemes, there's also a call for evidence on trustee skills and capability, plus the roles of advisors. This has a focus on establishing whether trustees, supported by their advisors, understand the full range of investment options available to them. A trustee registration requirement may be introduced, but there won't at this time be a requirement for schemes to have a professional trustee. And finally, there's a consultation on pooling and other investment matters under the local government pension scheme. OK, moving away from the mansion house reforms, we've also had some developments in pensions tax. The latest finance bill has now become law. This is the statute that makes the changes to the lifetime allowance and annual allowance for the current, that is 2023-2024 tax year. Nick will talk about the bigger changes coming in 2024-25 in just a moment. As we've previously covered, for the time being, the lifetime allowance charge has been abolished, but not yet the lifetime allowance itself or the various lifetime allowance protections. And there has been an increase in the annual allowance from £40,000 to £60,000, with the money purchase annual allowance and the tapered annual allowance also being relaxed. Now, as for the abolition of the lifetime allowance altogether, which is planned for 2024-25, HMR HMRC has published draft legislation on the 18th of July that would replace the LTA with two new allowances for maximum tax-free lump sums. The lump sum allowance, a quarter of the current LTA, and the lump sum and death benefit allowance equal to the current LTA. These would determine how much can be paid free of income tax by way of lump sums to and in respect of an individual from their registered pension schemes. Marginal rate income tax will be payable on any lump sum payments in excess of these allowances. And this, is, of course, is very different from the pre-2023 LTA regime and also the current tax year's interim regime. But lifetime allowance protections will be carried over into the new regime. There's no change to the amount of tax-free pension commencement lump sum that can be taken, but a perhaps unintended change would allow individuals to take a very much larger lump sum at retirement than they can at present, paying income tax on the remainder. In WIP, we discuss this and two other significant issues with the proposals concerning record-keeping difficulties and unpublicised new taxation of inherited drawdown funds. Moving on to pensions dashboards and the regulations have now been made cancelling the original timetable for staged connection to the dashboards ecosystem. We now have a single statutory connection deadline of the 31st of October 2026 for all in-scope schemes, but guidance will include expected staged connection dates 
and trustees will be required by law to have regard to this guidance. The pensions regulator has updated its dashboards connection guidance to say something about how it interprets this requirement. It will expect trustees to be able to demonstrate how they've had regard to the guidance. And the government has updated its separate guidance on applying for a deferral of the 31st of October 2026 connection deadline, which can still only be done in very limited circumstances. In a case brought by the BBC, the High Court has ruled on the interpretation of a scheme amendment power that restricted amendments that affect the interests of active members. The BBC wanted to know the scope of the power before deciding what to do in response to the cost of future pension provision for its DB active members. Under the terms of the amendment power, amendments affecting active members' interests can't be made unless, very broadly, the actuary certifies that those interests are not substantially prejudiced and interests is not defined in their trust deed. The judge ruled that the word, given its natural meaning, is wide enough to mean that the proviso protects against amendments to future service benefits, which would include closure of the scheme, as well, of course, to any amendments to accrued benefits. In another interesting recent case, the trustees of a scheme with distressed employers applied to the court for approval of a provisional decision to seek the winding up of the employers. This would bring into play a power in the scheme's trust deed for the trustees to trigger a scheme wind up, and that in turn would enable the scheme to enter the PPF. The trustees were concerned that the longer things went on, the more they would be favouring pensioners and those transferring out over those who were due to be paid benefits in the future. And that's because the scheme is expected to have increasingly less money to meet liabilities the longer it continues paying out benefits in full. On the other hand, the liquidation of the employers would cause job losses and any prospect of future recovery, however slim, would be eliminated. The court approved the trustees' proposed course of action and also confirmed that they were right to disregard the fact that avoiding or delaying action would enable more members to reach normal pension age and so qualify for higher PPF compensation, the so-called PPF drift. And in other news, a con contribution notice determination has been upheld by the upper tribunal, ordering an individual to pay £1.87 million after he benefited from dividends and other payments made by the now insolvent company that he used to own, leaving its pension scheme significantly underfunded. The tribunal's judgment is particularly interesting because it considers how the amount of a contribution notice is to be calculated in a material detriment case such as this. And finally, the pensions regulator has given an update on future updates to investment guidance for DC and DB schemes. If you'd like any more information on anything in WIP, please get in touch with your usual Travis Smith contact, or you can email pensions at traverssmith.com. You can sign up on our website to be sent email alerts when we publish new briefings. And for more news and commentary, do please follow Travis Smith Pensions on LinkedIn. Thanks very much for listening.